1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And
2: I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Welcome to episode
1: 121. Today,
2: we're going to talk about
1: emotions oh man I've, I've had an emotion filled week the last week oh yeah yeah it was a it was a worry filled week last week <laughs> josh you literally have two emotions that you feel <laughs> well, the other one is is unadulterated rage <laughs> 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 but i i just i keep that all bundled up really tight it's locked in a jar <laughs> deep down in my cold cold heart why were
2: you so emotional this week
1: no, I, I just—I've never heard you ever say I've had an emotional week. I didn't—I don't—I don't think I said emotional. I think I said I said emotion-filled. Oh, okay. Uh,
2: All right. But emotion-filled is yeah,
1: kind yeah. of emotional. And, and, well, that's 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 what I wanted to talk to you about before we dive into the to the questions today. So we had two events this past week. Our friend Courtney Carver was in town. She had a book come out called Soulful Simplicity. What and a great so, event! Yeah, we we were able to give the intro at her event at our favorite bookstore in the country. It's called the Last Bookstore. It's downtown Los Angeles. So at that event, we we gave the the intro, but but then we the the big thing this week was we had this this filming. We've been planning for months and months
2: and months for this event. Dude, all the stress. All the anxiety. Now I see what you're saying. Yeah,
1: all the planning. Like we, yeah. we would
2: meet. The anticipation.
1: We were meeting daily to practice. And so over the last year, we've given this talk in about 50 different cities, uh, the Less Is Now Tour. And we're getting ready to finish that in Australia. But we wanted to take this talk, this 45, 50-minute talk. And we wanted the right aesthetics for it. We tried to film it a few times at different theaters and it looks great when you're at a theater but it it doesn't look the same on film right it just looks like you're in a theater so we found this beautiful abandoned warehouse space but trying to be
2: honest with you i don't think i ever look good on film (laughs) i just like trust matt's creative eye all right we'll take so so when he says dude we when he said uh guys the the theaters aren't going to work we have to do something different I'm like, oh, okay. I just, I just do what he tells me to do. Well, man.
1: it wasn't so much about us looking good or bad on film. I think we're going to look pretty much the
2: same, yeah, no it, matter it, what. I, I think it just uh, being a uh, not appropriate, but I can't think of another word besides appropriate. But. I think appropriate. It's a good word. Appropriate for our message.
1: Like, what, what is the the aesthetic that correlates with our simple living message and mm-hmm. what we're trying to talk about? And so we wanted to create our second documentary that really dives deep on our backstory and and really build it around this talk that we've been giving where we talk about intentional living. We talk about the the, the downsides of consumerism and consumption in our own lives and, and everything we went through in the past. And then we talk about how do we move forward in a meaningful way? How do we contribute beyond ourselves? And we wanted a space that was right for that. But the most ideal space was an abandoned warehouse. And trying to have an event in an abandoned warehouse that isn't used as an actual warehouse. They're not stocking stuff in there. It's just a it's four blank walls, a ceiling, and a floor. And then we had to do everything. And so Podcast Sean and Matt, they put in a ton of prep work. We had a production crew, I think, of something like twenty or twenty four people. That was that was so weird, dude.
2: Like We've never had that many people. I, and they're all there to help us create this amazing thing. Right. And it's so crazy, like being on this side of it it's yeah. like it, it, every time i watch a tv show now or a movie or whatever it is and i see like the the talent in in the the show i don't think to myself oh who's that actor or who's that actress i think like man what's the who's who's the producer behind that who directed that what's the production team because yeah. who's the key grip i just yeah exactly i have a completely different perspective on it because if it wasn't for all those, that amazing team. Right. Like this, it wouldn't be anything. Yeah, the build-out was amazing. I mean, we spent basically a day and a half. When I say we,
1: I mean the team we had this empty warehouse and we had to build a stage we had to put all the chairs in there i spent 11 hours on lighting and and then of course five cameras and a director set up and then you had to get craft services for everyone (laughs) and we don't just have endless money to throw at this thing and so it's like sean's like all right how do we get some ushers in here for for less money than what people usually charge Um, We use a service called Yonder, which this is the first time we've ever done it, but I'm like, man, maybe we should do this at other live events. We don't usually have a very big problem, but when you're filming the thing, I don't want someone all of a sudden to just start talking on their phone or texting or even... Getting and taking a picture, usually that's fine to take a picture during a live event, but when we're filming this, but you certainly didn't want all of a sudden a phone ringing and then someone Mm -hmm. talking on it in the middle, you know, you're giving your
2: speech. I didn't ask this, but before they... So Yonder, uh, just for the people listening, it's a company, uh, you go to an event, they check your cell phone, they put it in a bag. You get to keep your phone with you the whole time, but it's in a bag. You essentially can't use it. Do they make you... um, do they make you put it on an airplane mode before you put it in the bag? I think so. They must. Yeah, Sean,
1: I'm, Sean's giving me yeah. the, the nod.
2: Yeah, so, okay. so uh, either airplane mode or silent mode. Yeah. And a- you can totally use your phone. If you want to use your phone, there's just a designated area where like, you, you go. You have to leave the... They the, unlock it, and they're like, right. great, you can go over here and use your phone. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so just getting everything right, getting the sound right, and, and uh, you know, everything that, that is part of this event, everything had to go right and there were a million things that could have gone wrong and so of course I'm worrying about that and it's making it hard to sleep the last couple of days of right before the event and I'm just trying to figure out like okay do we have this plan for oh what about this I can't believe I didn't even think about that and and man I can tell you it, it all came together and it couldn't nothing is ever going to be flawless but it couldn't
2: have been closer to flawless than, than it was yeah I yeah God you know Matt got the footage he needed, and that's what I keep telling myself. But I, I feel like every event, there's like maybe two events I left, and I didn't feel wanting, meaning mm-hmm. I didn't feel like, oh man, I should have said that differently, or man, Ryan, you sure did ramble on that one question. And so wanting is a desire, is an
1: emotion. So we're talking about emotions here today. Mm-hmm. Wanting or desire yeah. or craving is another way to sure. say that's it. like an intense wanting, right? Yeah. And, and I, I agree. It's like even when things go great, we want it to be better. And when things go bad, of course, we want it to be better. It's sort of part of the human condition. Yeah. Um. And part of that is. Is probably good, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't reproduce. We wouldn't ever eat if we didn't ever feel the desire to eat, right? If we didn't feel hungry, right. then we'd just die. If we didn't feel the desire for sex, we wouldn't reproduce, and there'd be no people here anyway. And and so it was a worry filled week. But here's the thing: the relief, which is also an emotion, that I felt afterward. I <sighs> mean, Bex was like, "You
2: are not. You won't stop smiling like all Dude, day." Dude, when I called you Sunday morning. I have never. You've never answered the phone that cheery. <laughs> I hate talking on the phone. <laughs> you've never answered the phone that cheery, and, and I was like, "Wow!" Like Milburn's in a good mood.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I just I felt so like relieved, and and like this tension was was just gone because. Here's the thing. With our live events, we could totally screw something up and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay because it's you know, we, we're not spending tens of thousands of dollars to, to film it, right? Right. Uh, if you mess up a line or I, I literally trip on stage and fall over, it's okay. Like, I'll get up and someone will laugh and it'll be fine. But... Yeah. On, on film you want it to be right it's never going to be perfect but you really want to be able to put your best foot forward and mm. when we're doing it all ourselves us and and this team of people that we put together anything can go wrong and it's totally on us and we have to take full ownership of that and so w- after the worry though you, you realize like you didn't have anything to worry about at all anyway because it all went fine and that worry was part at least mostly for not i think up to a certain point, the worry allowed us to plan appropriately, right? Yeah. But there was probably an unhealthy amount of, of stress or anxiety that I was feeling mm. throughout the week that, that I didn't need to feel. It was the opposite of productive.
2: That's interesting, an un- unhealthy amount of stress. Uh, because I feel like I stressed out too, but I don't feel like it was an unhealthy amount. I feel like I needed that stress to help me uh, keep a sense of urgency yes. on like practicing leading up to the event on making sure to be on time on places and, and making sure that, uh, I was fulfilling my end of tasks that I needed to do to help with, uh, getting, which wasn't a lot, but you know, the this few things I had, it was important. Um, so, so I, I do think that stress is a healthy thing up to a certain point. Um, but yeah. So why do you think Why are you saying it was unhealthy for you? Well, I think I think for two reasons.
1: One is there is a healthy amount of stress that tells that's an indicator I should take some sort of action. But also, you and I are two different types of people. Uh, You you thrive in more stressful situations. Back in the sales world, it'd be the last five days of the month, and you're in seventh place, and all of a sudden uh, you you finish first out of all of the store managers. For me, I would start the month off and try to get. Set, you, know, the first 20 days, I have such a, a a large lead that all of a sudden I can feel good about the last 10 days. And so I think we operate differently. I don't need that stress to make sure that I practice. I just need it on the calendar. I need the habit or the ritual. Right. For you, uh, the habit and the ritual are uh, can be there, but it's far more compelling for you if you have a, a
2: a emotion tied to that ritual. Yeah, I've got this anxiety and the anxiety, to me, it indicates, like uh, leading up to the event, the anxiety indicated, Ryan, you've got to practice today. You've got to make sure that uh, all, all, everything that you need uh, to have scheduled is scheduled. The people that you need to be there, you have them showing up. You're double checking that they're going to be there. Like, that's what the stress does to me it is because the where where i'm going where i'm trying to go with this is that eliminating that stress the thought of eliminating that stress like that is really um motivating for me Mm. so maybe that's why i operate so great off of stress is because like the thought of when it's gone yeah like that is what inspires me to Push hard. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's ironic as hell. I know it's really weird.
1: It totally makes sense. I, I totally get it, yeah. and I feel the same sort of motivation. But I, I will do things to get rid of the stress. It's almost so, like
2: I could just sit here and pinch myself. Right. <laughs> I feel like man, it's gonna
1: feel so good when I'm done pinching myself. <laughs> right, right. Why are you hitting yourself? So it'll feel good it's when I stop. feel So
2: good when I'm done. But you know what, though, that's how that's how I look at like the the um when we go to Voda, the Russian bathhouse. Yeah. That's how I feel about the cold plunge dude like the, what keeps me in the cold plunge is the thought of getting out of the cold plunge
1: oh but see i you and i are the exact opposite <laughs> on this i actually enjoy being in the cold plunge oh that's crazy yeah like i can be in there for 5 6 minutes people think i'm insane
2: it's like the more miserable i am in the cold plunge the better it's going to feel when i get out yeah it feels good to me to that be is in there that's so weird man like that is it, like that it, it, literally like the exact opposite motivation well we, you've 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 heard
1: listeners of this podcast sometimes refer to us as the head and the heart right like yeah. i'm the head of the podcast you're <laughs> the the heart of the podcast and thus that's why you could say i'm the intellectual side and you're the emotional side and it's not that you don't have intellect or reason or i don't have emotions it's that those tend to be our default settings to to a certain extent josh i want you to go
2: by the head uh-huh i am mean, that's a band is it really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, we should rename this podcast <laughs> Head in the Heart. <laughs> no. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> When's the last time you cried? Uh, My cousin's funeral last weekend. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he was 27 years old, man. I, did I mention this on the last podcast? No. So, yeah. No, he was tw- 27. Um, passed away unexpectedly. And, yeah, I had to go to a funeral last weekend. That's about all I'm going to say about it because I really don't want to dive into it too much just out of respect for my family and sure yeah
1: yeah yeah so so i have i think i've cried twice that i can remember in my adult life (laughs) um and and but it's weird because and the reason i bring that up
2: uh once was when my mom died i know why you're bringing it up josh it's because you're so manly no it's it's it's, you want to show us in our audience how manly you are.
1: No, well here, this'll 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 remove that right away. <laughs> I don't think I've even told Bex this. So I think the, the last time I cried specifically was a few years ago. Um what, and it was it was I was out of fear. Um mm-hmm. I I had met Bex and I hadn't planned on being in a relationship. Uh, I I I didn't want to be in a relationship. Like I had gotten out of one and like that it just I'm like okay, I need some time outside of relationships for a long time, maybe forever, <laughs> and 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 then I found like this most ideal relationship when I wasn't looking for it, mm. and I was falling in love really quickly, and that terrified me. I was scared to death because I didn't want to experience the, the the come down again mm. that that I had with with the previous relationship, which I wrote about in Everything That Remains, that relationship with Colleen, and. And man, like I didn't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. And I remember just laying there and realizing like, oh, this is like, this is the real deal. In fact, this is better than any real deal I've ever experienced. And it wasn't just the infatuation of the moment. It wasn't the oh, uh, uh, the, the honeymoon stage of a relationship. It was something different. Mm. it wasn't that chemistry is good our chemistry is great but that that wasn't it mm. it, it was something different and i remember just laying there uh and just like literally one tear came out of each eye <laughs> and i'm like I, I i remember feeling this sense of overwhelm uh and it was it was fear it, it, it but it was also like of course i want this mm. and that's why i was afraid because i did want it mm. But here's the thing. That's what when when you we, we talk about like oh, Ryan is the emotional half. Well, why? Because you show more emotions than me. And when when you when you when you talk about, we all have emotions. So when we talk about someone who has emotions, it conjures up all kinds of images mm. in my brain. Like if you if you say they are a really emotional person. Mm. If I were to say that about someone, if I described them. I said, Yeah, he's really emotional. What mm. what what. What kind of images would that conjure up for you? Uh, that person's really dramatic. Okay. Yeah. And they might show their sadness That or person anger. loves themselves some drama. Uh, the drama. Yeah. Uh, rage, um, anger, craziness. You and I have both had the privilege of dating
2: crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I've been I, a little crazy myself sometimes. I'm not going to put it all on the girls. No, no. Not all on my partners. That, that's why I said people, right? I mean, I'll put the majority of it on them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not all of them. <laughs>
1: well, and, and that's why I said people, because Bex and I were actually talking about this this weekend. Um, we, Because uh, uh, I, I was talking about the crazy person I was dating right after my, my marriage, the one who threw scissors at me. And... Um, And Bex was like, you are like really like filling in the 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 narrative for like the crazy ex girlfriend thing. I'm like, Well, that's my only crazy ex girlfriend. It just happens to be that I'm a heterosexual male and so I date women. I'm sure if I dated men, I would have dated a crazy man along the way. In fact, I think there's pretty good data to show there are far more
2: crazy men out there than there are crazy women. I don't know, Josh. Can we just can we just agree that we're all equally nuts? No. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No. <laughs> the data does not okay, support that. So this is where the head and heart comes in. I will say we're all equally nuts. And Josh will agree that, yes, we are all equally nuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, But here's the weird thing. When you say or when I say or someone says he's a really emotional person or she's really emotional, what we often mean is that sadness, that anger, that rage, the the, the craziness but how come we don't ever like mention the the, the other emotions? It, happiness is an emotion, right? Sure. Contentment is an emotion. Hope is an emotion. You don't describe a hopeful person as emotional, although if they're really,
2: really hopeful, then they're really emotional. Yeah, but all those emotions you just brought up are like they're pretty ambivalent. So the problem is that the and when I say ambivalent I don't think so. What about well, joy? Joy is So an when emotion. I say ambivalent, what I mean is that I could be in a room happy and content. And you, you could possibly not know it. But if you were joyous, I'm more likely to know it. Oh, sure. If I'm, like, jumping up, leaping with joy, yeah, absolutely. Right. But you
1: wouldn't say – you generally wouldn't say that's an emotional person unless they were, like, overly joyous, like manic or something. Then that's an emotional person. But, but how about a, a person who's just really kind? Kindness is an emotion, mm-hmm. and you can – you can only see that they're kind if it's outward. But if a, a person is just kind, we don't say, Oh, he's
2: a really emotional person. Or no, what about- you'll say you'll say that person's a re- – see, that's that's just it. So if someone's really kind, you'll say that person's a really kind person. Right. And that person's really loving. Man, that person is really and you'll actually name the emotion. Mm-hmm. When you say someone is an emotional person, that's where it's a pejorative. And right. my, and my and my and my brain and like that's the connotation i have i
1: agree and i think what we need to do is maybe reclaim that because emotions aren't inherently good or bad they're both good and bad right and and here, here's the last one for you the one that i was thinking about just now is uh, it, you do see this outwardly because it's a lack of display but calmness C- calm is an emotion it's the opposite of anxiety right mm-hmm. if someone's really calm you will see that they're really calm but we don't say that person's a really emotional person even though they are and so i think maybe instead of us using the term emotional pejoratively and believe me i i am i am predisposed to use that term pejoratively because
2: i am, can we see how many times we can say the word pejorative on this <laughs> <laughs> this podcast i think that was twice um, <laughs> no i i started it uh, I'm, yeah, yeah i'm projecting so, sorry
1: So I think that that the calm person is equally emotional to the angry person. It's just a different emotion. And so maybe we can reclaim that so that we we aren't using that, that word to... We're not using that word to discourage people from embracing what those emotions are. We just don't want people to get stuck in those negative emotions. I think we have to feel the negative emotions. And the key then is to embrace the valleys for what they are, but get the out of them as quickly as possible so we can you know, enjoy the mountaintop, the, the calmness or the happiness or the contentment or the hope uh, or the kindness that we experience once we've reached uh, once we've reached higher ground. We've got some questions here today. Also when uh, Courtney was in town uh, last week we dragged her into the studio and had her answer a question or two with us as well and so hopefully we'll be able to incorporate that into our questions this week. Caitlin in St. Cloud has a question for us.
3: Being a college student, I found that I have anxiety when it comes to the hard standards that I I hold to myself. Not saying that it's a bad thing, but I often feel that I'm letting myself down if I don't reach to my full potential when it comes to performance in the classroom and like out-of-class work. By holding these ideas, I often fall into overthinking and stress myself out way more than I should. I am unsure of how I should go about investing in these kinds of thoughts and emotions. Do you have any insights or advice for so how I can treat myself better in terms of performance and confidence and liability?
1: Ryan, she's talking about investing in these, these thoughts and emotions.
2: Investing in stressed-out thoughts and emotions. <laughs> I would never invest in those.
1: So let's imagine, you and I, we both invest in, in the stock market, the S&P 500. It's if the you, most boring thing in the world. Yes, if you look at... If you look at it like index funds, you don't want stress and you don't want to invest in the the index fund with the stress and the anxiety. What we were just talking about, the person who's considered to be a traditionally emotional person, you don't want... The emotional person index, right? <laughs> that's a
2: yeah. You, that's a great
1: way of looking at it. You want the broader emotional spectrum. You want to invest in emotion in the emotions that matter. Now here's the thing. We were just talking about this, Ryan. You were even saying that some of these things help you out, they help you perform better. The stress, sure. the worry, and especially if you are in college and there are certain standards there, and, and and in fact she's experiencing anxiety from those standards, that's because she wants to meet those standards. And so there's a certain level of stress that is going to be
2: useful. Definitely. No, I, I think, um, <laughs> you know it's funny, I was <laughs> with Jessica yesterday, Jessica Williams, dropping her off at the airport. And I'd said something about how we, you know how we always talk about raising your standards, lowering your expectations. Right. And she was like, she's like, Ryan, I gotta be honest with you. I don't understand what that means. So I had to like explain to her (laughs) what we mean by that. How'd you explain it to her? If she doesn't understand what it means, it makes me think that maybe our audience, some of our audience uh, doesn't understand what it means. So the way I explained it to her was, um, I used our documentary as an example where... We put our absolute best foot forward. Right. We had this level of, of, of standard mm-hmm. that we were not willing to forsake.
1: We want this to be outstanding, at least for us, even if we can't, because I can't predict whether or not 50 million people or are- one or one other person other than, I can predict one right. and that person's me. Besides right? us, right. And and here's, cause here's the thing. If it's outstanding for me, it's my gamble that maybe there are enough people with, with similar interests and tastes and, and uh, who people who appre- appreciate the same aesthetics or narrative. Maybe there are enough people like me. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean six foot two goofy looking white guys, mm-hmm. but people with, with similar standards to right. me who will find value in this absolutely but if i if i try to go out there and say well i really want this to appeal to canadians over the age of 44 Mm -hmm. and it's like well i'm not a canadian i'm not over 44 like how do i how am i well and it's possible Mm -hmm. but it seems a a lot less likely it's trying to meet someone else's standards right and so having your own standards was was really important we were putting together the film
2: Yeah, and I I think that that is uh, one of the expectations of the many that we could have had with that film. Who's going to watch this? The other thing is, is how much money are we going to make on this? Um, We did not have any, we had no uh, dollar figure in mind. It was um, you, me, and Matt who got together. It was a $0 budget, and it was something that we were really passionate about. And we said, great, let's create something really awesome and and, and and let's see what happens. And to your point, we gambled that, yes, as long as we had high standards, other people will find value in this. And and could you imagine, dude, like if we had this this idea of... Expectation. Yeah, this idea of how much money we wanted to make from it. Let's just start with that. Like that is what a recipe for a letdown, right right um uh, you know, unless it was like we're gonna make ten bucks off of this right I mean
1: well, even then though, because at first, like we had lost money, even with the theatrical release, oh, yeah, it was because here's the thing we had zero budget we to, broke even on theatrical maybe uh, no we didn't we, we, were, we were still slightly behind um, but the good news is that we made up for it on the back end right and, and the reason we were we were slightly behind is because we didn't spend any money on producing this film because Matt you know, basically went around the country with us mm-hmm. and we were already going around the country so it wasn't any additional dollars but then everything on post production the the color grading the
2: music the distribution through theater I mean, all, all of yeah, this stuff it, it all I'll add it up really quickly yeah I don't want to get too far away from what I'm trying to do with the the, the raising standards and, and lowering expectations um, what I'm really trying to say is like with that documentary because we had zero expectations when we did get an offer for theatrical release when Netflix did uh, uh, decide that they want to put it on their platform when people did go out of their way to support us share it. And, and share it or, or or purchase it on Vimeo, that was all gravy like that was all icing on the cake it was like icing and sprinkles on the cake yeah because we were not beholden to any expectation yeah it did not matter so uh, applying that to Caitlin's question here Caitlin you should she should have high standards there's no doubt about it the expectations I would encourage her to to lower and what I mean by that is, is that Caitlin can study for a test as much as she possibly can, and that's all she can do. If she's going to worry about the expectation, uh, or I'm sorry, the result, and have an expectation of a really high grade, that is going to add, in my opinion, it's going to add needless stress. It's the same thing with, with the event, my, uh, th- with the special that we just filmed. My standard was really, really high, and i knew that if i had high standards and did as much as i could leading up to that event it was going to be the absolute best event that i could possibly do and i feel like it was yeah like i, I said earlier too. i felt a little wanting like i just just a couple little things i wish i would have done a little bit better but that's okay it absolutely was it was it beat my expectations yeah. It absolutely beat my expectations.
1: Well, Be, oh, that's because you had very low expectations. And and, and going into it you had high standards. Mm-hmm. And and so if I were to sum that up or, or or maybe just rephrase a little bit different, maybe the the standards are the work and the expectations are the goal, the end mm-hmm. result. And and don't worry as much about the goal or the end result. Worry about the, the direction or the work that you're putting in that's going to get you wherever you end up at the end of the day. If you, and you put your best yeah. foot forward, you put in your best work, then you're going to exceed whatever expectation that you could have had before. But then those expectations aren't there. Because here, here's the weird thing. Let's say all of a sudden, Caitlin, your goal next year was to make a million dollars. You're going to make a million dollars next year. But then you, you only make $750,000. Did you fail? Yeah, of course you failed. You didn't hit your goal. You didn't hit your expectations 75%. but That's a C. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not very good, right? But hell, $750,000 is, is very good, exactly. though. And so quite often, we, it's not just we have high expectations. We have the wrong expectations. We have unnecessary expectations and we put them on ourselves. We also have other people who put expectations on us. And then here's the third thing. It's sort of an am- amalgamation of both. We think other people have expectations of us mm. when they don't really. The pressure that we feel isn't from other people. The pressure that we often feel, 98% of it is internal. The pressure that, we're, that, that we go around stewing with is, is all self-created. And because we turn that burner on and it's stewing we can also turn that
2: burner off yeah i think the other thing i want to tell caitlin too is caitlin i've got good and bad news uh you're never going to reach your full potential i'm never going to reach my full potential i really had to get comfortable with this man like these again going back to the special we just filmed it's like the two or three things that i have in my head that i'm like man i really wish i would have done that differently if I would have done those two or three things, there probably would be another two or three things that would replace those two or three things. Absolutely, man. Because, because we can nitpick ourselves to death. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's actually a good thing. I say it's good news because I imagine if I ever reached this self, full self-actualization. Right. Perfection. Perfection, dude. Like this, you know, when I think of what a perfect Ryan Nicodemus looks like, that it sounds boring to me. Yeah. And 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 it's not boring in the sense of, you know, there's no there's no mischief I can get into, or there's no nothing else I can learn. Although that is kind of boring if there's nothing else to learn. Sure. Um. But as as humans, like we, we got to grow, man. We have to grow. We have to have. Uh, we have to feel like we are becoming something more than our present self. Yeah. And um, that's that's a good thing, Caitlin, that you haven't got to that perfect self. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is realize that you'll never be perfect and that's okay. And all you can do is get as close as possible and pray that you never reach perfection. Mm Because when you do, life's probably going to get really, really boring. And I think that
1: discontent that, that Caitlin is feeling in the moment, I think that can also be useful up to a certain extent, at least, because discontent is a commentary on the present moment. And it's saying something going on right now isn't right. Now, what that is, I'm not sure. Maybe it's... It me. could be her expectations. It could be, absolutely. Or, or it could also be her actions. And she, she used this, wor- this word overthinking, and it stresses her out. Well, let, let me just tell you this, because here's, here's my biggest problem, Caitlin, is I often try to think my way out of problems. You just can't do it. I
2: would say that's about half the work.
1: Uh, yeah. It re- well, like getting,
2: it, the rhyme, getting the right mindset and the right perspective. Right it's half of the work but but the problem
1: with me and with a lot of people is is it it, it ends there I think
2: I'm gonna ruminate my way out of this issue, right? I'm gonna it, use the law of attraction to make this happen <laughs> <laughs> I have had this conversation with people where where like they're just super firm believers in the law of attraction and and I too, I believe in it, but it's not the end all be all meaning that you the 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 main problem I have with uh folks who rely solely on the law of attraction is that they're missing the action piece of it.
1: Yeah, which is, is the most important part because yes. you're right. We do have to have the right mindset. We, we do have to use reason and intellect and mingle that with emotion. And really what the law of attraction is, is is focus, right? There's an old apothem: wherever focus goes, energy flows. And all that really means is whatever we focus on, that's the direction in which we're going. But of course. If you turn your car east, but don't start driving east, mm-hmm. you're not going to get to wherever you're going in the east, right? Yeah. And so, Caitlin, you can't think your way out of a problem. And so that that means sometimes when we want to change our our the way we're feeling, change our emotion uh, our emotions, we have to change our like our physical state, our physicality. And, and so the other thing that I often think about is motion moves emotions. The other day. I was feeling really stressed out right before our, our LA event and and that taping. And uh, so, I, and I'm just like, oh man, like I've got this headache and I'm trying to deal with this and I've got all these things to do. I need to go take two hours and, and really create some physical activity for myself. So our, our studio here is about 10 minutes away from Runyon Canyon. I just took that 10 minute walk to the trailhead and just busted my butt all the way up to the ridgeline and... I mean, it's gorgeous, but I, so I'm breathing hard, I'm feeling better, and all of a sudden, it's like this stress is is leaving my body because I can't focus on it anymore. I can only focus on what my body is doing right mm. there. When we push ourselves, it's a different kind of focus, and, and it changes our focus from these negative emotions that are keeping us down, that we're overthinking, and all of a sudden, we can come back to the problem with a, with a, a, a renewed mindset, a, a, a fresh pair of eyes, and maybe approach a little bit differently with with without the stress or at least with with less stress than than what we had before and also uh, she said that she's meditating right now Mm -hmm. here's the thing meditation does help the problem i used to get caught up with is i when i started meditating i'm like well man i did this two days i did over a whole weekend 20 minutes yesterday and 20 minutes today (laughs) you're so good at meditating i i should have it figured out by now (laughs) but i don't all my problems aren't solved. This obviously isn't working. Well, it's the same thing as with with going to the gym. You know, our, our friend Dan Harris says that that meditation is like going going to the gym for your brain. And I feel that way. Like you can't just go to the gym Saturday and Sunday and bust your butt really hard, actually for twenty minutes each each time. Be like I'm fit now. You don't get fit over the weekend right right. You, you in, in your brain doesn't retrain itself over a weekend or a week or a month or even a year mm-hmm. it takes a long time for you to get physically fit, it takes you a long time to get mentally fit, to improve to see these incremental changes and so I think Caitlin, meditation will certainly help you out if you do more of it and also what are the meditative things that you do, it could be going out for a walk, it could be doing yoga, it's not exactly meditation but there are meditative tasks, mm. uh, for me it's, it's 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 walking just from here to wherever. I like to have a destination in mind. Even if it's just walking to the post office to mail a letter, I will walk three miles to the post office and back because I have a destination right there.
2: Yeah. My favorite is like walking to the office because it's about a four mile walk and it's so it's about hour and twenty minutes, hour and fifteen minutes. I am forced to like not think about anything. Because like my whole point is is like gotta get to the office, gonna record a podcast, like the the the, the the point is the is the walking, um, and it forces me basically to not I don't think about anything else. Like I put my AirPods in and get going and have an amazing relaxing walk yeah yeah
1: Yeah. and and it doesn't have to be relaxing if you want to do something to really push yourself you can do that being in the sauna is a way for me to push myself and that is meditative for me in fact i it's a meditative experience but i also meditate in the sauna it's the place that i prefer to meditate because it's harder you really have to focus and it's like it's it's training your mind on a different level it's like you can do yoga or you can do hot yoga uh you can do meditation or you can do hot meditation (laughs) and it does force you to focus uh, a little bit more uh, last thing that I'm thinking about here is this word flappability. Our friend Colin Wright has this essay that he just put out. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I wanted to, to read about it because he talks about, you know, I, I think when I think of our friend Colin, he was just on our podcast recently. He is he's pretty stoical in his approach to most things, right? It's not that yeah. he lacks emotion, but he's able to employ emotion appropriately uh, when the situation calls for emotion he wrote this essay about it it's called flappability there's something to be said for a stoic response to difficult or uncomfortable situations to be more specific it's nice to be able to step back and assess things from a mental distance to recognize and acknowledge what's happening but to address it from a place of calm rather than a state of emotional fragility to recognize that you can't control what's happening to you but you can control how you respond to it. So what we're talking about here is, yeah, most of the time, it's good to be able to step back. When we feel this crazy emotional response,
2: mm. we should be able to step back. Dude, this is so important for Caitlin because she is so worried about the result. She is so worried about the result that mm. she cannot control. Like the, the the all the studying she puts into it, she's worried that she's not going to get the right result. Mm. But to your point, the only thing she can control is how she reacts to the result yeah and so so maybe the best way to
1: regain control is to give up some of that need for control
2: yeah i'm yeah i i'm yeah going back to the lowering of the expectations because i think expectations is a form of us trying to have control we expect something it happens we feel good about ourselves because that means we're in control right
1: Right. And so I, I'm going to skip ahead in his essay quite a bit. It's a long essay. I encourage everyone to read it. it is, it's one of my favorites from him that he's written recently. Uh, he goes on to say, That said, there is a potential downside to this approach to dealing with the often unpleasant variables with which we come into contact throughout the day. It's possible to rationally assess a situation only to realize afterward that perhaps emotional immersion would have been the better approach in that particular circumstance. You can look at a beautiful sunset and recognize that it's beautiful, that the colors are amazing, that the weather is perfect, and that you care deeply about the person standing next to you as you both look out together at this wonder of nature. That's a very valid and valuable flavor of enjoyment. But because of that mental air gap between you and the moment, it's not exactly the same thing as plunging headfirst into an emotional response to what's happening. You can enjoy a sunset stoically, but it may be more prudent in terms of full exposure to everything that's available to you in the moment to dive deep as you dare into what you're feeling rather than calmly and safely floating along the surface. And so I think what Colin is saying here, Ryan, is, yeah, we should often have a rational approach to much of life. And that gives us the ability when we need to have our emotions there to jump all the way in you don't want to just go to a sunset and say you know that looks like a cotton candy in the cloud i mean you can say that and there's an intellectual sort of um side of it as well no matter what you're you're always going to have a mixture of both Mm -hmm. unless you're a robot but but the truth is there are moments where you could just want to be in awe of of the moment and i felt that the day after we finished the 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 taping in in los angeles and we filmed two different events that day well two and a half really because we had to redo the intro because we had a mic problem <laughs> that was great so so uh, uh the, we had to go out and go go give the whole intro once again and at first, I thought that was totally going to ruin the moment, right? Yeah, but people too. seemed to enjoy it more. Like, man, you did better on the second intro. It's like you knew what we were going to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was that was good though, man.
1: Yeah, I, I thought I went really well. And but here's yep. the thing, afterward, Ryan, I plunged headfirst into the emotions that I felt. the The mm. relief was, I was a totally emotional person, but the emotion that I felt most was relief and mm. contentment. Uh, And, and those were the emotions that I let myself experience instead of saying, I feel like I have accomplished this task. No, it was like, (laughs) I feel so relieved. And, and I do feel accomplished, but in a way that is, that, that that has lent itself to this contentment because I'm, I'm happy with the standards that Mm -hmm. we put forth and that we were willing to to put in all of that work and then the payoff that came after that from putting in all the work. There wouldn't have been the payoff without that work. Right? Absolutely. It didn't come from the expectations we had though. It came from the standards that we had and the work we were willing to, to put in.
2: Yeah man, we didn't just sit around and, and and think about how great the event's gonna go. Like we we put so much prep work into it, man. Yeah, we and it we didn't, really
1: paid off. We didn't think our way into a great event. Uh, for Caitlin, uh, there's a mindfulness chapter in our book, Essential. It's an essay collection, 150 different essays about intentional living. There's 12 different chapters on 12 different topics. One of those topics is mindfulness. Sean, if you could reach out to Caitlin and get her the audiobook version of that. If you like this podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of Essential. Or if she'd prefer the physical book or the ebook, we're happy to give her one of those as well. And before we move on to our next question, we dragged Courtney Carver into our studio when she was in town last week to answer this question
4: for Caitlin as well. Here's the thing with Caitlin's, you know, wondering how to invest in these emotions you're gonna feel what you're going to feel. But I think the problem comes in when we start judging ourselves for how we feel. Okay. So we feel anxious about feeling anxious. Mm. Yes. And that's a whole nother layer of not really treating ourselves well. So she also said, how can I treat myself better? I yeah. believe in that question. And so when she's feeling that anxiety, instead of the, oh, judging for being anxious, turn to self-care. Mm-hmm. What can you do that might make you feel good? Like you taking a walk. For me, often it's writing down whatever I'm feeling because sometimes if I can get the emotion out of my head and onto paper, I can see it for what it really is. Mm. And sometimes it's just completely useless, but I can't understand that unless I see the words on paper.
1: Our next question is from Ryan in Kansas City.
3: My father committed suicide in 2015 in direct response to the federal government seizing his belongings. and because of that, that's kind of what threw me into this minimalist lifestyle um, and has kind of given me this anger towards maximalists or towards people who exhibit materialistic behavior. And I was just kind of wondering, how do I let go of that? Like, how do I not get angry at people that don't want to get rid of all of their things? Um, and I realize that it's not for everybody, but I find myself getting almost resentful towards people that in my opinion, value their stuff too much, which I know like isn't okay. So I just, I guess I wanted to know, um, what you guys do to both avoid getting angry at those people and also to, in the most caring and loving way possible, help guide them towards a minimalist lifestyle.
1: First off, Ryan, I'm I'm really, I'm really sorry to hear about your loss. I, I've been obviously through the death of a parent uh, twice. Uh, both of my parents have have passed away. My my father when I was real young. Um, I was nine when he passed away. I didn't know him very well. Um, he left us when. Well, my mom left him when 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 we were. I was like three or four at the time. I was almost four, and um, I saw him one other time. Uh, seven years old around Christmas, and he died when I was nine and i mean i talked to him on the phone occasionally and and so we didn't have a really close relationship but as a kid you know you, you you look for a father figure and i was lucky enough to actually get an adopted brother um when i was right around that age and uh he was very and, and physically he was very he was a year older than me and, and but he was he he was almost like a father figure for for me but uh, at least in terms of physicality he was a really tough guy and so i, I remember. Uh, just growing up with him, having uh, a brother who was also a, a father figure in my life, and then, uh, and I think that helped me out a lot. But then, when my mother passed, I was 28 years old, and we didn't have the best relationship uh, until I was in my 20s. She was uh, she was an alcoholic, and and it made growing up really difficult. Uh, but we repaired all of that uh, throughout our 20s, and and when I was 28, she passed, and it was a, definitely a different circumstance from what you're going through. Uh, but let me just say this. He he likely committed suicide um, not because of the government seizure. Uh, government seizures don't make people commit suicide because government seizures happen every day. What happens when people harm themselves or kill themselves is they feel despair. Despair is a commentary about the future. It means I don't think things are going to get better. And Here's the thing, we all feel despair. Many of us get trapped in despair. We feel a particular kind of pain, and that's because our basic needs are met. Our, we have a roof over our head, we have food, we have clothes on our back, but our psychological needs are not being met. And when our psychological needs aren't being met, quite often we we turn to things that harm us, whether it's the ultimate harm, which is killing ourselves, or i'm from dayton ohio it's the the overdose capital of the united states it's a great city i love that city but there's a lot of problems going on there in montgomery county right now and it's because uh, a lot of people feel despair and and why do we feel despair well we've lost this sense of purpose or meaning or joy or contentment and we feel like there's no hope for the future and what is the antidote? Well, I think it's it's restoring meaning in in some way. We don't have a a suicide crisis as much as we have a crisis of meaning in our lives. And I think we can change that by trying to find ways not through the same repetitive means of yesteryear. Because here's the thing: if your dad would have gotten his stuff back, w- would he would he feel all of a sudden that uh, his life was fixed and there was hope on the horizon no probably not he would have felt comfortable enough to to continue on a life that was still peppered with despair and so I think what we need to do is we need to find a way to inject meaning and that meaning is never through our things the things have only the the meaning we give to them they can help us be comfortable for sure I'm not against consumption we all need some stuff you'll never hear Ryan and I say get rid of all of your things and follow us that was someone else (laughs) (laughs) Um, but what we will say is you're welcome to have stuff but the more meaning you give to it uh, the, the less joy you'll get out of the, – the, the less creativity you'll get out of life, the, the less uh, the less you'll be able to do because you'll be so tethered to the things that aren't bringing the real purpose, joy, and meaning. And so I think the anger that Ryan is, is feeling here – not the Ryan across from me, but the Ryan <laughs> on the phone. I'm so angry. Ryan's angry because I just keep talking. I know. Um, Let I me think, talk, dude. I think I think the anger that Ryan is, is feeling is um, – and anger toward consumerism. You, you said you're ang- you're angry toward maximalists, or you're angry towards materialists. And I don't think you're angry at those people. You're, you're angry at the behavior. And what I've realized, it's, you can love those people even if you dislike their behavior. You don't have to be angry about it, though. You can dislike the behavior because judgment is but a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. So all you're really saying when you see the the, the behavior of someone else, you're saying, I don't like that behavior because it's not an appropriate behavior for me. And in our documentary, uh, Juliet Shore, she, she mentions, that the problem with our society isn't materialism. The problem is that we aren't materialist enough, right? We we don't give, we we don't give, we don't care enough about the things we bring into our life that everything becomes disposable. And then of course we care too much about clinging to the things that aren't adding any value. And, And we're not willing to let go because we don't see that someone else might be able to get value from that and so here's what i'll say for ryan is some of the the emotions that you're experiencing are useful right i i I think that um the useful emotions help you grow but they become useless when you hold on to them too tightly so if you're feeling angry toward anyone who owns stuff then it is just a sign that yeah you need to be willing to let go of that emotions not so that you can forgive them or whatever but just so you yourself can move on you have to let go so that
2: you can move on absolutely ryan uh i think you need to continue to talk about this anger you're feeling i'm happy to talk about it with you um, i'm sure you have uh, friends and family that are happy to talk about it with you as well i would encourage you if you haven't already to get a hold of a professional and uh, don't be ashamed in that when i was in the corporate world um, I used to go see a therapist once a week, man. Tony Soprano totally inspired me. Oh, for a second,
1: I thought you were going to say Tony Soprano was your therapist. <laughs> no, that'd
2: be great, though, if he was. <laughs> you just walk in, James Gandolfini's in that chair. <laughs> no, man, like watching The Sopranos and seeing him go to a therapist every week to just vent out all of his crazy stuff. Now, he's a little bit different because he had like illegal stuff he had to talk about. Yeah, And maybe it was a little... So did you. <laughs> yeah that's true um but but it, you know what it, what it really comes down to is that i think a lot of people feel embarrassed to go talk to professionals they feel like somehow uh they've lost at life because they don't know how to deal with their problems or they feel like um you know it's, it's embarrassing to like ask someone for help right yeah so um again ryan i'm i'm, I'm sure you've already done this Um, But I know there's someone listening to this who has that stigma. Uh, There is no reason to not talk to someone who has experience in in talking people through these emotions. The other thing I'll say too, man, is I'm not – personally, I'm not going to waste my life being mad at other people's actions. Mm.
1: Unless it harms you directly.
2: Well, yeah, then then I'll – yes. If Sean were to reach over right
1: now and hit you in the head with a microphone, I'd
2: I'd hit him back in the head with a microphone. (laughs) Stop (laughs) breaking our microphones, guys. What's going on with you? Tit for tat. No, um, but you know what I'm saying, man. Like when I see someone who's a maximalist, or I see someone who is a racist, Mm. or I see someone who, whatever, insert, you know, someone that I would never associate with in my life there. Yeah. Like, getting mad at them is not going to help them. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help anyone around me. And
1: and even even so, if you find a person who's racist and they're harming someone else, even getting mad at them is probably not going to solve the problem as much as other things will solve the problem. Calling the police on them, stopping them from doing something that harms someone else is better than just lashing out in anger, right? Sure. I think that there's that John Mayer line. This is the John Mayer line segment of the podcast, um, where we 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 inject the wisdom of John C. Mayer into <laughs> into the podcast. he he talks about. Um, I was on the continuum continuum album when he said, um, "Has a sign and has a sign ever changed anyone's mind?" Mm-hmm. And I think about that quite often with with bumper stickers or protest signs or whatever um i i've never had my mind changed out of someone else's anger right yeah. um now can a, a pithy saying or something maybe influence me in a way maybe think about something that i didn't think about before yeah or maybe th- yeah there's a funny sign that makes me laugh or something that's mm-hmm. fine but but really with 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 these emotions that, that we're experiencing most of the time, man, it's just it's just not useful. And, man, we have such a hard time letting them go, though. And I, I think that's what her ultimate question is. How do I let go of that anger, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, if I had the magic bullet answer on how to let go of anger, I would certainly give that to her right now. I've, I've got one for her. Yeah. So, so I've got a really,
1: really short essay from Seth Godin. He has – so Ryan and I, we often talk about – Uh, ignoring the sunk cost like you've bought some widget that used to be worth 500 bucks but now it's worth 50 dollars and you're like I can't let go of that 500 dollar item it's not a 500 dollar item it's a 50 dollar item sell it while you can still get 50 bucks for it right well uh, Seth Godin has this short essay called ignore sunk clowns yes there was supposed to be a clown at your birthday party no he didn't show up that's a bummer but but your friends are all here And the sun is shining and you've got cake and a game of pin the tail on the donkey ready to go. The question is, how long should you mourn the loss of the clown? How much of your party are you ready to sacrifice? The same question confronts the pro golfer who three putted on the third hole or the accountant who forgot an obvious deduction, one that can't be recovered, or the salesperson who missed a key meeting or the speaker who got let down because the tech crew screwed up her first three slides. If it doesn't help, why bathe in it? When we can see these glitches as clowns, as temporary glitches that are unrelated to the cosmic harmony of the universe or even the next thing that's going to happen to us, they're easier to compartmentalize. That happened. Okay, now what? So, maybe your anger is just a sunk clown. It's just a clown. That happened. You're angry about it. Now what? And I think, I think, Ryan, if you ask yourself that, it's going to help you deal with the anger. It's going to help you let go. Now what? Do I want to continue to carry this with me? Are you going to fill up your, your backpack full of anger, or are you going to choose to fill it with the emotions that are maybe a bit more, a bit more helpful in in that essay? he, He said, the question is, how long should you mourn the loss of the clown? How much more of your party are you ready to sacrifice? So, so here's, here's the answer for Ryan in Kansas city. The party here, in this metaphor, is the rest of your life. How much more of your life are you willing to sacrifice to anger and despair and regret? And and when you ask it that way, you're like, I don't want to waste any of my life to anger. And we think about it a little bit more rationally. We can realize, oh, I can let that go. I can feel it, but I don't have to wallow in it. I can walk through the valley. I don't have to live there. I'd love to send uh Ryan in Kansas City a copy of our book Everything That Remains. Uh in that book I talk about dealing with my mom's death and and sort of the process of going through all of that. It's uh there in the third chapter and 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 having to walk away not just from her but but her stuff and and Ryan we got this this question on Twitter this week. That this guy said that his his mother was or his father had stage 4 cancer and he's trying to like deal with his death the best Mm. way he can. He asked for some advice, and my advice for him was help him let go. Help your father let go, Mm. because in helping him let go, you yourself are are going to be able to let go. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Hey man, I think Courtney had something to say about this too.
4: I don't even know if it's really anger. Uh I know when I find myself being mad or judgmental or feeling a certain way about what other people are doing, it's almost because I don't want to address what I am feeling. Mm. So I'm wondering if that anger isn't a, a bit of a distraction from being sad. Mm. And I know it's been a couple of years, but this is just something you don't get over no, immediately. And no. so to be able to, to divert her attention to trying to fix other people or wondering how to do that, she doesn't have to face what she's really feeling, which could be deep sadness. So. Sure. I don't know because I don't really know the situation, but that's sort of what I'm thinking.
1: All right. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or tip about emotions, including advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail 406 219 7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at the We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. Ryan. What time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at The Minimalists. Uh, During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I both do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And you can now find all of our quotes, all of these pithy answers that we give, some of which are helpful over
2: at minimalmaxims.com. All right. Our first question is from Deborah. How important is it to take emotion out of big life decisions? Or should you let them guide your process? Well, I have two little pithy
1: answers here for you. The first one was almost a joke at first, but I think it's also true when you talk about taking all emotion out of important life decisions. So here's my first pithy answer. Emotions are like assholes. Everybody needs them. <laughs> I mean, you think of, I mean, there's you know, the opinions are like assholes. Everybody has whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but but I think it's true of emotions. Like we actually need emotions, and and I think they're an important part of of the decision making process, right? And and so I think you want to, this is my second pithy answer. Let reason guide you, but let emotions inform your decision. So so let the the um reason in your life the intellect the, the the pros and cons list let it let it guide you but you also have to take into account emotions cuz you can say here's my pro and con list here are the 17 reasons that I should move to Saskatoon but if you get to Saskatoon and you're like man this doesn't feel right to me you know you don't feel the right emotions about the place your pro and con list doesn't matter because mm. Saskatoon is a great city we've been there but if it doesn't feel right to you, it just doesn't feel right to you. In fact, uh, there are a lot of places we've been on tour where I'm like, I really like this city, but I, it wouldn't feel right for me to live here, right? And, and so we, you, you have to keep those emotions in mind when you're making a decision. Just don't let, them, don't let them guide your every decision. I think that's when you get into trouble. you sort of turning that balloon who is, if you, if, you, if you blow up a balloon, just let it go. I do this to Ella sometimes. It, you know, she sort of chases around. It goes everywhere, Right, that's how emotions guide us. Right, Uh, (laughs) yeah, definitely. The intellect is the string on the balloon.
2: Well, it's funny because I think that I think that uh, as as the heart of it, Mm -hmm. it could be it could go both ways. The string could also be the emotion, because sometimes intellect uh, it is taking out the emotion. This is why people refer to us as the head and the heart. Right, because um, let me give you an example. Let's say that Let's say I was. Let's say that um, I. Let's say you were a really hardcore, an ex-hardcore alcoholic. Yeah. And if I drank alcohol in front of you, it made you feel like you wanted to have another drink, Um, and and it wasn't offensive, but it's just not the. It's not great when you're around someone drinking, especially if if I'm sitting there getting drunk, right? So what I would intellectually, I can look at it and say. Uh, it doesn't matter what Josh thinks. It doesn't matter, um, you know what's going on. I can get drunk if I want to. Like, it's not that big of a deal emotionally. I look at it and think, man, you know what? Josh really needs, really needs some support right now. And I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna put that intellect aside, and I'm gonna put that emotion first. Yeah,
1: I, I, it sounds to me like you're approaching this very intellectually right now. Yeah, w- yeah.
2: which, w- and and I think what you're going through is is. I think – I guess what I'm trying to say is that the intellect in a situation like that, uh, it's in my opinion, it's the wrong thing to let guide you. No, I think you were letting – in that particular scenario, you were actually
1: letting the intellect guide you because the first thing is, I don't care how he feels. Mm-hmm. I feel how I feel. But then your, your intellect jumped in and you were like – well, no, I think this is the right thing for him because it could, you know, trigger him to going back to drinking. You, you were actually taking a very intellectual approach. Um, I, but that said, I do agree with you that sometimes there are some decisions where emotion is going to to rule the day,
2: and and I think that's okay too. Yeah, I, I think when I read this question, the first thing I thought was, don't ever make any life dis, major life decision under distress. So, I mean, that is an old apathom that I'm sure most people have heard. Um, It's a saying for a reason. Right. So um, to answer her question head on, uh, don't make any decisions when you are, when you are uh, any major life decisions, if you're under a lot of emotional distress, the pithy answer I've written down here is it doesn't matter what you let guide you. As long as your actions align with your values and beliefs Man, how many times do we talk about values and beliefs, Josh? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's that's the key here, right?
1: Like you're going, you know that emotions and intellect are going to be involved in these decisions. Mm-hmm. Is the direction you're going in you know, align with the person who you want to be? Yeah, and
2: honestly, man, like the values and beliefs for me, it helps me to use the emotions or. Or the intellect. Yeah,
1: then they become different. It's sort of the flappability thing we were talking about with Colin Wright earlier. It allows you to
2: use both when they are effective. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
2: All right. Our next question is from The Motivated Stoic. Why is being emotional stigmatized while so many of us desire... To feel good,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing we were talking about at the top of the show, right? The reason that emotional is stigmatized, and I'll give you a a pithy answer here in in a second. But the reason that it's stigmatized is because we think of an emotional person as a person who's out of control with negative emotions, Mm -hmm. and that's why that they are stigmatized. But my pithy answer is: some stigmas are useful; other stigmas are a byproduct of fear. So choose your stigmas wisely. And so let's think about some. Uh, useful uh, stigmas here, right? I think debt is bad. I have stigmatized debt. Mm-hmm. I think racism is bad. And thus, I have stigmatized racism. Uh, th- there, are other, th- there are other stigmas that, or other emotions that are, are not useful, right? So jealousy. I will stigmatize jealousy as well. Because I don't think there's ever, uh, for me, in my own life, there's never a time that being jealous of someone else is useful. Because that means I'm living up to someone else's standards, not my own. Mm. Right? I'm letting someone else's standards or expectations or preferences dictate my life. And so I've stigmatized jealousy.
2: It's choose your stigmas wisely. Yeah. Yeah, man, I had a different... I had a different tweetable answer down here. I'm not going to read it now. Um, it just made me think. Uh, the, the The pithy answer I had pop in my head now is: the only stigmas that matter are our own, mm. and uh, yeah, ultimately, if we let other people's judgments control the way we feel, especially when it comes to emotions, like that's if we can't be ourselves, then uh, that's going to be that's going to make for a miserable, miserable life. Um, I think the one thing too is emotions are uh like think about someone who's depressed think about someone who's who's angry um he's asking about guys specifically right or he's asking about people in general um people in general yeah but regardless if you think about those types of emotions like those are the people that we don't want to be around like i don't want to be around someone who's always angry i don't want to be around someone who's always depressed um certainly I want to support people in my life who may be experiencing things like that and, and help them.
1: Yeah. You you want to help them get out of the
2: negative emotions sure. though. Yeah.
1: And here's the thing, you and you're not judging them for experiencing those negative emotions. When when your cousin died and you were you were feeling sadness, you know, I just reached out to you and said, Hey, if there's anything I can do, let me know. I want to help you through that. Right. I don't want to say, Hey man, why are you feeling so sad today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's silly, right? But I also wanna recognize that being in that valley for too long is a dangerous place to be in, yeah. and I'll help you get out of it if if you need
2: that help. Yeah. Now I think ultimately emotions are stigmatized because of people's insecurities, man. Like they're like anyone who's like, "Haha, oh, I can't believe that guy's crying," or "I can't believe that guy is showing you know any type of emotion." Like that's usually a uh, that's an indicator of what that of of that person's insecurities, right? Yeah. It, it, they're they're. Wearing their insecurities
1: well, right, right. All right, y'all. Well, um. Oh yeah, added value. Let's talk about some added value, Ryan. This is the the portion of the show where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. I've got two things. One is uh, we've developed a new friend in town here. Um, I've had a lot of like health issues, of course, the last three years. But when we moved out here, I I last I don't know two months right after our Nashville event, I got sick. And I needed to get an IV.
2: Can I say that I didn't, I didn't even know before you that if you were sick, you could pay a doctor to inject you with a with a bunch of vitamins, and it's basically it's like it's like emergency or airborne, but times 100 <laughs>
1: well, it, well, it's, it's directly into your it, right. it goes right into your bloodstream right. as opposed to having the process via the liver and yeah and your stomach and 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 uh who knows what's you going to make it actually into your to your bloodstream then into your body without just getting you know uh, uh, relieved mm. uh into the toilet right you mm. mean so a lot of the you're buying some of those vitamin c packets or whatever from the store the, that's a lot of that just ends up in the toilet right yeah because your body just
2: when you ingest it, it takes what it needs and gets rid of the rest.
1: Right. And and sometimes some people's bodies aren't, don't do as good of a job taking what it needs. Right. Right. And, and, and so a lot of it just doesn't go into the body at all. But if you're able to, so I, I've had a few IVs here recently. Um, there's this place in Hollywood called Metro MD. It's just Metro dash MD.com. Uh, a guy Dr. Ryan Green Who is He's He's brilliant He, he went to the, he, His residency was at the Mayo Clinic And he's from Chicago Moved out here And And wanted to really focus on the wellness side of things And preventative Because he realized that Being And this is the reason you didn't realize Like I can just go to a doctor And get an IV To, to really help me you know, Replenish And get well sooner Right It's because Most of our medical system Doesn't focus on the preventative side of things It It It, it it focuses on once you already, if you toss the grenade into a Honda Accord and then you take it to a mechanic, it, the mechanic is like, and you're like, hey, can you put this back together? That's what our medical system does because like, yeah. we are putting grenades into our bodies basically, or, uh, at least the equivalent over many years, many decades, and then by age 60, all of a sudden it's like, here's your exploded Honda Accord. Mm. Whereas, he wanted to uh so Dr. Ryan Green over at Metro MD he really wanted to to help people beforehand, I think we're seeing more and more of this now. People, uh, doctors, and and th- this industry starting to change, focusing on wellness, focusing on prevent- preventing disease, and, and then also optimal health. And so, you and I both went and got IVs a, a few days right before the. Even though we were we were perfectly healthy, mm-hmm. we went and got IVs a few days before our event. So, okay, we will make sure we don't get sick over these next well, few let's days. Make sure our immune systems are operating at. As full capacity as possible. Exactly. And, yeah. and wanted to feel good about it. You also got a blood test there. and, and,
2: and Yeah, well, because my cousin passed away so suddenly. And it's, I mean, it, it, it was like, oh, wow, like I'm 36 years old. And if he would have got a blood test, uh, might have saved his life. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and so when you think, I heard Tim Ferriss say something about if you're getting your oil, if you get your oil changed more frequently than you get your blood checked. Then you're doing you're doing something wrong, yeah. and here's the truth: we're all doing something wrong. Then, because most of us don't get our we don't get tested that frequently, but we we probably should, right? And so, I mean, I, I tend to get a blood test once a year, at least I have the last few years now, mm-hmm. uh, and just to to see you know where are your hormones, you know, what what are your indicators, you, do you have anything that's out of whack? And because if you check it, that allows you to realize, like, okay, here are the things I need to adjust. Maybe I need to adjust this in my lifestyle. Maybe I need to take some sort of supplementation. When my gut was really messed up, I didn't know why, but when I did the test a few years ago, it's like, oh... You have C. diff, and that kills 14,000 people a year in the United States. Mm. I should probably fix that. But if I if I wouldn't have known that, I wouldn't have known how to fix it. But once you realize you have that, then you can figure out how to fix it. It doesn't mean it's easy to fix it. I got my blood tested last year and uh, for heavy metals. It's a totally separate test from what you got, but I got tested for heavy metals, and I was like, oh, yeah, you have really high levels of mercury and arsenic, and, and lead is, is not... Crazy high, but it was high enough. Uh, strontium was really high. And so it was like, okay, now you know this is high. You can do something about it. Here's a protocol. And again, not easy, but it's better than being in the dark. And then 10 years from now, all of a sudden, I'm on death's door because I've I've completely ignored all the issues and the signs that have been going on. And so I encourage people to, obviously, if you're in the LA area, I think uh, Dr. Ryan Green is, is a great place to go. He's a great guy. Um, we, yeah, d- we, he came to our event this uh, this past weekend. Yeah, I was just gonna say. And he was he was in uh, he he walked into the 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 back where, where our green rooms and stuff were, and, and our booking agent that was there, Andrew Russell. And I'm like, hey, Doc, and he's like, who's that guy? I'm like, oh, he's just our doctor. He's like, you mean he's like a doctor on TV? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't think he's on TV, but he's he's definitely like he he's just all around great guy. He knows a lot about health. And, and, and uh, he's, man, I, I, I'm really grateful. Like when you find the right people and you bring them into your life, I think it helps improve your life. We, we hear that old platitude of you are the five people you surround yourself with. Mm. It's also true with the, the 150 people you surround yourself with. And I'm grateful that
2: someone like, like Dr. Ryan Green is, is in our
1: circle. So, well, yeah,
2: it's funny. Like, cause I, I think about when I chose my chiropractor, my, <laughs> I got this from, oh, you'll remember his name, uh, Tim Ferriss interviews him a lot. Um, kind of a uh, like an older um, I think he's Russian trained like all the Olympic athletes yeah uh, pa- Pavlov yeah, Tatsulin that, that's him he, he talked about how important it is to have a chiropractor and how he's like if you uh, have a if you have a chiropractor that cannot deadlift as much as you that, that's not the right chiropractor for you interesting and it's yeah, funny because like I and I just so happened like my chiropractor that I had in Missoula yeah Uh, and actually my chiropractor now could absolutely deadlift as much as me but i think about that as with a physician too like you know it's funny when i go to a physician and like the physician is looks unhealthy right and they're telling me how to be healthy now i understand that there's a difference between giving advice and taking advice uh in fact i know very well about that but (laughs) uh what's awesome about ryan green is like Because he is so healthy Right It's like his advice I'm like I want to be just as healthy as
1: him Right And and part of it is He has great genes But here's the cool thing You do too And and I don't, but <laughs> you, 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 Whatever. Can, you can you, you can go down that, that path and and you can get similar results, right? You may not get the same results as, as you know, the as uh, actually his name is Pavel, Pavel Tatsulin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may not get the same exact results, but you're going to get similar results and you're going to get better results than, I agree with you, man. You don't want to, uh, our friend, uh, Carl, uh, our mentor, both of our mentors, uh, he, we used to work with him in the corporate world He would always say, uh, don't ask a guy who makes $20,000 a year how to make $100,000 a year. I think the same thing is true (laughs) when it comes to your doctor. I used to go to a doctor back in Ohio who was unhealthy as hell. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Uh, I'm thinking about now in retrospect, like, why why did I trust him? Just because he was nice and friendly? Mm -hmm. But no, he prescribed a bunch of nonsense to me quite often. And I I wish I would have found someone like Dr. Ryan Green over at metro md sooner or or wherever city you're in yeah just go get your blood tested see see what's going on with your own life if you get your car checked up occasionally or maybe when you're getting your oil change you just realize i should probably also get my body checked up at the same time if you're gonna get your car checked up ryan is there anything that's adding value to your life recently yeah man how did you like that recreational coffee uh, it was really good. So the, the it was the brand is actually called Recreational yeah, Coffee, right? Yeah. I I made a Bex a cup a couple days ago in the morning. She goes, "Oh my god, this coffee is so
2: good! Where'd you get it from?" She's like checking out the bag and stuff. <laughs> and they're in uh, Long Beach. Is that they're right? in Long Beach? Yeah, I was up there doing Global Entry. Mariah and I had like these Global Entry interviews. Yeah, and just on a whim, I was like, "Man, I really want a cup of coffee after the interview," and just stopped in, uh, got a Yurgishev pour over of course yeah v60 or <laughs> i don't even know dude i think it was v60 um and then like as soon as i like took a sip i was like oh my god i have to buy these beans yeah thanks for giving so me the bag good. man i appreciate yeah, it yeah no worries dude but they i'm recommending it because they they sell their beans online so i think the last recommend I, I know i had a coffee recommendation on one of the podcasts recently it might have been the last one um so that was with blue bottle colombian this one is recreational uh, it's an Ethiopian Yirga chef. that is specifically like the best roast that they have going. Sean, right if now. you
1: can find a, a link to that, we'll we'll throw it in the show notes along with everything else we're talking about today. I'm gonna cheat and add one extra bonus added value. I just found it this morning, Ryan, and nice. it's a really good uh, new artist. She's 15 years old, which I, is unbelievable how talented she is. Her name is uh, Billie Eilish, and I found so she has this album out that just came out toward I think toward the end of last year. It's called "Don't Smile at Me." It's the way I can describe it is, you know, the artist Lord, mm-hmm. right? So, and Billie Eilish is, is from Los Angeles. Lord is from New Zealand, I believe. So, Lord, if Lord had you mixed her somehow with Lisa Hannigan, do you remember Lisa Hannigan? She was mm-hmm. uh, Damian Rice's sort of side singer. I mean, she was uh, she was always with Damian Rice back in the day. Um, so, so talented, but she was sort of like the amalgamation of both, but with modern minimalist sort of uh,
2: you know what dude just stop talking music. and let's hear it
1: well i'm not going to play a song from the album because Uh-oh. i heard this live song and it was it was just it was amazing it's cool you heard a lot li- you like you were there and heard it live no no no. i i, I saw it on youtube oh and okay. so he, well let's hear it let's yeah, listen to that let's listen to it it's called bellyache
0: sitting all alone, mouth full of gum in the driveway. My friends aren't far in the back of my car, they lay their bodies. Where's my man? feel pretty soon Looking through my room For the money Bought in my nails i I'm too young to go to jail It's kind of funny where's my mom? all
1: right well it's time for right here right now where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalist so we got some stuff going on we're headed to australia we're headed to Perth and Adelaide and Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne and Auckland. Most of those are sold out or really close to selling out. Actually, let me take that back. Melbourne is sold out. We added a second date for that. Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, and Sydney are all really close to selling out. And then we uh, we have a, a event in Auckland as well. So if you can make it out, that's March... Come on out, see us, minimalists.com slash tour for all the dates, theaters, tickets, all that fun stuff. We've got a video version of this podcast coming soon. So if you want to subscribe to that, head on over to youtube.com slash theminimalists. We'll do a regular video version of this. We'll also do some other video creations, whether that's video essays or little snippets from the podcast, more condensed or attenuated creations, videos just for you over there on YouTube. Also, if you want the show notes to this podcast and every episode that we put out, we can send them right to your email. Just head on over to theminimalists.com, enter your email address there at the top. We'll send you the show notes whenever a new episode comes out. Also, any essays that we write, that will show up right there in your inbox. And of course, we'll never send you spam or junk and we'll never give your email address to anyone else because uh, only awful people do that. Oh, and if you want to support this podcast, you can do so. There are a few ways you can do it. Head on over to theminimalists.com. Click donate at the top. You can support us one time on PayPal or Venmo. Or if you want to become a regular supporter of the podcast, you can click on Patreon over there. You can become a Patreon supporter. Those are the folks that have helped us build this beautiful new studio that we are in right now. And every week on Patreon, we publish a postscript episode. And, And what that is, is we answer additional questions from our audience just for our patreon supporters now i know what you're thinking man i don't want to log on to the internet and listen to a podcast on the internet that's stupid (laughs) do you log on to the internet yeah yeah (laughs) what are you still using
2: aol yeah the (laughs) (laughs) dial-off
0: josh i have some i have some
2: exciting news for you Uh, go ahead (laughs) have you ever heard of zoom town (laughs) It's seven hundred and sixty-eight k. No way! (laughs) All right, so people don't have to log onto the internet to listen to our podcast.
1: You don't have to get on your computer uh, or on some website or whatever. Whatever podcast app you're listening to this podcast on right now, we do a separate. podcast every week called The Minimalist's Private Podcast, and it is just for our Patreon supporters. And so right after this comes out, usually the day after, we do a post-script a- episode where we answer questions. We're able to let our hair down a little bit more because there's only a few thousand people over there who are our Patreon supporters. Also on Patreon uh, this month, we have released our Philadelphia events, Tampa events, and Detroit event. We had uh, we had a guest at our Detroit event. That was Colin Wright. And so you can check that out. It shows up also in the Minimalist private podcast feed. So it all shows up right there. If you're listening to this on Overcast or Apple Podcasts or Feedly or whatever you're listening to, it's right there on your phone. It shows up. All you need is our private link. We've got some other live events coming soon just for our Patreon supporters. You also get first access to any tickets to any new live events that we announce in the future. If you're a Patreon supporter, you get the best tickets in the house before anyone else has access in the general public. And also, uh, last thing that's coming on Patreon pretty soon is a studio tour tour of this new studio space. Once we get the, we're, we're waiting on lighting to be installed and some some new furniture to show up here. We're using a, a little temporary table and some temporary chairs right now. But uh, you'll get to see that really soon. We're gonna do a video studio tour uh, on patreon also we do live streams every month where we answer your questions it's called ask the Minimalists anything and that is exclusively for our patreon supporters head on over to theminimalists.com click donate at the top if you're interested in that i want to thank courtney carver for being a part of this episode this week check out her new book soulful simplicity we'll put a link to that in the show notes ryan you got anything else for us heck yeah
2: i do man look at all these voicemail comments and tips from our listeners bring it
5: hi this is tracy from Madison, Wisconsin. I am calling in response to the podcast about social media. is wonderful, and there's so many things in there that I have struggled with and thought about, and I wanted to share that over the last uh, maybe six weeks to two months, my relationship with social media has drastically changed because my intention with it has really changed. Um, mainly, I'm a kidney donor, and I started really speaking up about it and trying to educate people and becoming a resource for people who are curious about it because there's so few out there because this happens, but almost nobody talks about it. And it's been so rewarding in that almost, well, every week, a new person or even more than one person will contact me about donation. And it is the most rewarding way. I have used social media. I also talk about finances, which was actually spurred from the budget podcast by The Minimalist. And I have gone like hellbent on paying off debt, not using credit cards. And I now have this ripple effect in my social network of other people that are doing the same thing. So it feels good to be intentionally spreading the good and sharing the things most people don't talk about and seeing really positive results and even richer and more positive connections coming back from that.
3: Hi, my name is Tex and I'm from Seattle. One thing I haven't heard mentioned
2: on the show yet is minimalist eating. This is where you eat as few yet healthy ingredients as possible. I do this for breakfast, lunch, and snacks, a handful of nuts,
3: two hard-boiled eggs, glass milk, a cheese stick, an apple, or a protein bar are all good examples. Not only is this healthy, but saves me loads of time throughout my day. In the evening, I do spend time on a quality meal and enjoy bad food. I mean, let's be realistic here, but the point is is spending effort on simplifying your food gives you more time for
0: your day and quality nutrition.
3: Hi, this is Anson Feller. I'm calling from Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm responding to your episode about decoration I'm a designer and frequently help clients navigate through the process of creating an intentional home. And in this process, I avoid trends at all costs. Uh, If we really look at what trendy design is, um, we see that it's designed to encourage consumerism. Companies are motivated to make products that will eventually go out of style. So I direct clients to architectural and design history to inform the style of the home. Quality is just as important in function as it is in design.
1: All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at minimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works.
2: Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.